This is our 18th session of Look at the Book on Romans 8. Father, we move into global and universal perspectives here, and I pray that our hearts and minds would be big enough to begin to capture, handle, understand some of the greatness of what's here. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember that verse verse 17 ended by saying, the children of God will be glorified with Christ if if we suffer with him. And the very next thing now is, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, so he's referring back to this, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. So Paul seems to be trying to encourage us and help us. I mean, how, how discouraging it might be then and now to say to the children of God, we've got a great destiny in front of us. We're going to be glorified someday with the very glory of Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, on the way to that glory, we must suffer. And therefore, in a sense, you might say the rest of this whole whole book of eight, 18 to the end, 30, what, nine, is very much concerned with suffering and death in order that we might be encouraged to press on to the point where we will be glorified with Christ. So that's what he's doing. And the first way he does it, the first way he encourages us to press on in our suffering, that we might be glorified with Christ, is to put the whole issue of suffering in a global perspective. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. So it's the glory that will be revealed to us that makes the sufferings in this time endurable and uh, worth it. It's worth it to go through the sufferings we will have to because of the glory that will be revealed to us. Now, what, what glory is that? Is that the glory of God that we will see, or is it the glory of our own glorification that we will be? And look at the next verse for an answer. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing, now that's the same related word here, the revealing of the sons of God. So the glory that is to be revealed to us here is the revealing of the sons of God. So this glory does not exclude our glory and probably should be taken to be the very glory here. We will be glorified with Christ. So Christ's glory and, and our glory as the children of God. So that's what will be revealed. And that totality of God's glory, Christ's glory, our glory, will make it worth it that we have endured the sufferings necessary in order to be there on that day, to participate in that. For the creation waits with eager longing. That's amazing. Notice something. The creation is waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Sometimes I think we get it turned around, and it's natural to get it turned around, and say, 
We are standing on tiptoe, awaiting for the revelation of the glory of creation. We want to see creation fixed and all the mess and and catastrophes and futilities and corruptions of this creation fixed so that we can enter into it. And that's the that's the opposite. I mean, it's not the opposite. It's the, it's the reverse. It's the reverse of what Paul says here. For the creation is waiting with eager longing for the revealing of our glory. So our glory comes first, and then creation moves into our glory. Now, why, why would the creation, Paul asks and then answers, need to be waiting for uh, the revealing of the sons of God? And the answer is because creation was subjected to futility. When did that happen? Well, not willingly. Creation didn't rise up one day and say, God, would you please curse me and cause there to be such terrible brokenness in this world and futility in this world and disease in this world and pestilence and natural disaster? No. God did this. And you might say, well, how do you know it's God? Why wouldn't you say it's the devil? For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him. Is that the devil or is that God or is that man? Of him who subjected it in hope. And I argue there's only one being that could subject it in hope. Adam didn't subject it in hope. Eve didn't subject it in hope. The devil didn't subject it in hope. God brought futility and corruption and fall and brokenness on the universe because of sin in hope. What hope? That the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption so there's futility and there's bondage to corruption would be set free from all that and obtain or literally into, be set free into the freedom of the glory of the children of God, which is the same thing that was set up here. Creation is, let's switch colors so we can see it more clearly. Creation is, is waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. And here it says, creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So in both of these cases, here and here, it is saying the freedom of the glory of the children of God is the great first act of final redemption. And then the universe is set free from its bondage to corruption into to enjoy the freedom of the glory of of the children of God. Now, why would God do it that way? If you just pause and ask, why, why would he subject creation to futility in order that he might then uh, save the children of God and glorify them, as it says up here, glorify them in verse 17, and then as a result of glorifying the children of God, draw the whole universe into celebrating the glory, the freedom of the glory of the children of God. And surely the answer, this is the answer I suggest anyway, is that we are being glorified with Christ. This, this glory reflects Christ. We are being According to what, 829, we are being conformed to the image of Christ. And how did Christ bring about our glory? We were fallen. We were sinners. He did it by the cross. 
and by the resurrection and his own glorification. So the point of this is that God has, has set up the universe and has brought the universe into futility and has brought it into a bondage of corruption so that he might save the children of God through his Son and bring the universe into the celebration of the freedom of the children of God, which is a celebration of Christ and his redeeming work. This is a way of God making Jesus Christ the center of the universe, and particularly his redeeming work, the song that will be sung by creation forever and ever.